This evening our topic is entitled Unnatural Inclinations. Unnatural Inclinations. And before we get into the word, I just want to ask that you please once again bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for bringing us to this moment, your Sabbath day. Father, thank you, Lord, for watching over us throughout these past few days as we've been together. And I thank you that you've kept us in good health and strength. Lord, even now, I want to pray for those that might be on their way. And Lord, also, I pray that you'd please be with us now as we open your word once again. May you please guide and bless our time together. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to be reading the last verse of Matthew chapter 5. Chapter 5 and verse 48. Matthew chapter 5 and we're reading verse 48. The Bible here says, Be ye therefore perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Quite a high standard for us as humans, isn't it? Yes? Yes? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I know that the God of the Bible does not require something of us that we through His strength are not able to attain. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. And yet we also see examples in the Bible of this. If you come with me in your Bibles to Job, Job chapter 1, we see examples that God Himself declares that there are perfect people, or that at least in times past, there were perfect people. Job happens to be the first book written in the Bible, although it is not the first book listed in the Bible, but it was Moses who wrote this book as he was sitting there taking care of the sheep and the goats and whatever else that was out there in the wilderness for 40 years before he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. But in Job chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says this, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and escheweth evil. Friends, the Bible records that there lived perfect people in times past. And if it was possible in the past with men and women who walked with God, surely it is possible today. Amen? Oh, you don't sound convinced. Amen? Amen. Amen. But yet it even comes down. I mean, this is Moses writing about Job. But yet if you come down with me to verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Verse 8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and is Jewish evil? Here God declares Job perfect. You don't get a better recommendation than that. Amen. Look, if your friends say you're perfect, how much did you pay them? Right? But when God says you're perfect, now, my friends, that is something to covet. If God declares you perfect, then no one else can stand in the way. Amen? This God himself declares of Job a man while living on the earth. 
And friends, I believe with all my heart today, the God of the Bible is still the same. The pen of inspiration writes that there are Enoch's livings, living amongst us today. I believe Enoch was a perfect man. Otherwise, how could this man walk straight into heaven? Amen? There are Enoch's, Sister White declares, living amongst us today. So, the question that I have this evening for us is how is that possible? If you think it is not possible, then you've shortchanged yourself already. You're setting yourself up for a failure. Are you with me? This is the power of the mind. When you think, you know, and this is, I mean, let me give you an example. I've always known I was not very smart. And then my mom says, you are, but you're just very lazy. And, you know, my dad is a doctor, my mom's a nurse, and I go, okay, doctors must earn a lot. But I'm just too dumb to be a doctor. You know, in Australia, the entrance exam, the, the entrance score you have to get is 99 point something percent. So for those that are doctors, I really, I really admire you. But all my life, I just knew it. I was not smart enough, probably not hardworking enough to be a doctor. And sure enough, I never got 99%. I was always happy with the B. But when you think that way, you set yourself up for a failure, don't you? When you say, I can't do it, well, then your mind does not try as hard. Isn't that right? And so this evening, I wanted to start off by presenting to you a very clear picture in the Bible that it is possible, amen? Amen. It is possible to be perfect. Amen? Amen. Oh, please, don't get weaker on me. But I believe with all my heart that it is possible. Now, then you're probably wondering, well, Ben, what is your definition of perfect? I'll leave that with you. I want you to come with me to Romans chapter 8. Okay? Romans chapter 8 declares something along the similar lines. Romans chapter 8, and we're reading verse 1. Romans chapter 8, and we're looking at verse 1. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now friends, if you don't have any condemnation, do you think that's like describing a person who's perfect? Yes or no? What do you think? Yes, right? I mean, if you have no condemnation at all, and it says you are in Christ Jesus, you're walking after the Spirit, the likelihood of you being perfect is pretty close to 100%. Amen? Amen? Ah, thank you. But you see, Romans 7 describes something very interesting about human nature, which I'm sure all of us can relate to. Please come back with me to Romans chapter 7, and we're going to look at verse 15. We're going to start there, okay? And I know that some people, when they read this, they go, well, that's describing me. And that Paul, he's saying, well, that's him. So how can we be perfect? If even Paul, the apostle, the prophet, who wrote most of the New Testament is saying, this is exactly who who I am. Verse 15. For that which I do, Paul is saying, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Are you confused? Let's go through this again, okay? Maybe we might be here in Romans 7 for a little while. For that which I do, what I am doing, he's saying, that which I do, present tense, I allow not. In other words, I would not allow it in anybody else. Are you with me? For what I would, that he wants to do, he doesn't do it. But what I hate, I do it. Have you ever had this experience before? I know what is right, but I don't do it. And I know what is wrong, 
and I keep doing it. And what I hate is not even I know it's wrong, but I hate it, but I keep doing it. Have you ever felt that way before? Do you know what? All sin is like that. If you haven't, please come talk to me. You might be an Enoch. You need to be up here, and I need to sit down there. But verse 16, it continues. If then I do that which I would not. In other words, if, if, as a result, if I'm doing that which I don't want to do, verse 16, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more that I do it, but what? But sin, what? Dwells in me. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good? I find not. I don't know. Paul is saying, I don't know how to do that which is good. What does that sound like, friends? To me, it sounds like a man or a woman trapped under sin. Enslaved to sin. And then he ends in verse 19 by saying this, For the good that I would, I do not. Once again, he repeats it. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Do you know, my friends, that this is natural to all of us? And this evening, our topic we're looking at is unnatural inclinations. Every one of our hearts ring out, rings out as you read this because this has been our experience for every one of us who have tasted sin. Amen? I'm just asking you to agree with me. It's not that you, I want you to be like this when you say amen. But Paul says he's had this experience. And this is the cry of an unconverted man. This is a cry of a man who is addicted to sin. Any sin that anybody commits is all just like this. I know what is good, I don't do it. I know what is bad, and I keep doing it. Sin must be based upon knowledge. James chapter 4, verse 17, I've quoted it to you before. To him that knoweth to do good and do it not, to him it is sin. If you know what is good and you don't do it, it sounds exactly like the man in Romans 7. Amen? Amen. I lost you somewhere. I lost you somewhere. Do you understand when I talk? Do I talk too fast? Do I talk with a weird accent? Must I talk like a Malaysian? If you're with me, please say amen. amen. Thank you. I know that Romans 7 is talking about an unconverted man because at the end of Romans 7, he says this, verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. Now, do you think a wretched man is a good man or a bad man? Doesn't sound like a good man, does it? Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he says in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. But then he reverts back to his old self. So then with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Ah, but then we come to what we read in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So friends, what does it mean to walk after the Spirit? That we might stop doing the things that we know are bad and begin to apply the things that we know are good. Amen? Amen. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Let's keep going. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Friends, before you think that this is setting us free from the Ten Commandments, you're very wrong. But the law of the Spirit of life 
in Christ Jesus. It has set us from, free from the law of sin and death. Why? Because we are no longer under its condemnation. If that is clear, please say amen. amen. Are you sure you understand? Verse 3. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. Let me put it simply. In what we could not do as human beings, do you know for 6,000 years we have proved one thing and one thing only? Human being without God will sin. Do you know that? Jesus did not come 2,000 years ago to prove that human being without God will sin. He came to prove human being with God will not sin. Do you see that? That's why it says, what the law could not do in was weak through the flesh. Whose flesh? Our flesh. God had to send Jesus just like you and me to show that you know what? You can be perfect. Amen? Amen. Verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Well, here we go again. What does it mean to walk after the Spirit? Let's keep going. Verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity. In other words, it is hatred. It's an enemy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Friends, if we have a carnal mind, we cannot walk in the Spirit. If our mind is a carnal mind, it is at war with God. Do you see that? So something to do with the mind is related to walking in the Spirit. Verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now, wait a minute. Are you a ghost? No. We're still human. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of this. And verse 10 is our key verse. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of what? Righteousness. Friends, what does it mean to walk after the spirit? We somehow know that the walking after the spirit is opposite to the carnal mind. The spirit of God must be in you. But in verse 10, it hits it very clearly. Who must be in us? Jesus Christ. This is unnatural to us. Because everything about our human body cries out for sin. Do you know that? You don't need to teach a baby to sin. They will sin automatically. But let me... Let me verify what I'm, not verify, but correct a bit of what I'm saying. Clarify a few things here. A baby is not born in sin. One amen. Babies are not born sinners. Are you telling me that the God of love and glory, who allows a baby with no will of their own to come into this world, and if they die at one minute old, that they're going to burn in hell? Absolutely not. Why? Because the definition of sin that we find in James 4.17, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. A baby does not know good or evil. Just read Romans chapter 10, I believe it is. But here's the thing. In order for us to have victory over sin, in order for us to start doing the things we know is good, 
and to stop doing the things we know is evil, we must have Christ where? In us. How can we have Jesus in us? Come with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. This is the beginning of one of the longest speeches, if I could say, of Jesus Christ. It actually began a chapter before that, but most of what you find in 14, 15, and 16 is pretty long sermon of Jesus as well. And in chapter 15, the concept of the vine and the branches is brought out. It begins in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Verse 3, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and what? I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. So in order for Jesus to dwell in us, like Romans chapter 8 is talking about, in order for Jesus to be in us, we must dwell in Him. Is that clear? If that is clear, please say amen. amen. Thank you. Now come down with me to verse 7. Here is where we get the understanding of what it means to walk in the Spirit. If you abide in me and my what? Words abide in you. Ye shall ask what ye will, and that shall be done unto you. Friends, if we parallel verse 3, verse 4, with verse 7, what does it mean for Christ to dwell in us? It is His what? Words that must dwell in us. And what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? As Romans chapter 8 is talking about, pardon me for my class that I have to rehash this, but I want to show you very quickly that the Bible and the, the Holy Spirit, many times you will see them together. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17, the Bible says, and take the, the, the helmet of salvation and then the what? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Spirit, which I'm sure is the Holy Spirit, amen? amen? And the Word of God. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So we're sanctified by the Bible. If you come with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. 1 Peter, you actually have to turn to that one with me. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, rather. The Bible says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. So, in John 17, 17, the Word of God sanctifies us. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. In other words, what we're seeing is a cooperation, a collaboration between the Bible and the Holy Spirit. You can rarely, if ever, separate these two. And that's why in our sanctuary class, we're dealing with that. The candlestick, Holy Spirit. The table of showbread, the Bible. They work together in harmony with one another. If that is clear, please say amen. So when it comes to walking in the Spirit, really, it's also equivalent to walking in the, the Word. Amen? Amen? So in other words, in order to walk in the Spirit, what does it mean to walk in the Word? You must know what the Bible says and then do what? Apply it to your life. Friends, simply put, this is how we have victory over sin. Because to him that knoweth to do good, friends, where do you find perfect goodness? It is called the Bible. Amen. Amen. 
In the Bible, you find perfect goodness. It says, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal or lie or covet. Wouldn't you like to live in a world like that? You know, Taiwan, I just came back from this country that I actually find pretty safe. Very different to Malaysia. Wouldn't you like it if no one stole from each other or killed each other? You could leave your door wide open. We wouldn't have to live in apartments with securities. We wouldn't have to live in landed properties with dogs. That's perfect goodness. And this is what it means to walk in the Spirit. Because as we learn to apply the words of God to our lives, the Holy Spirit begins to work in your hearts. If you come with me to Philippians chapter 2, I want you to see this. This is what we call salvation by cooperation. Philippians chapter 2, and we're looking at verse 12. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That sounds like, whoa, God, that is all me. Verse 13. For it is, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and do of His good pleasure. Friends, we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. But the fact that your life begins to change is a revelation that God is working in your life. Why? Because human beings cannot do the law of God. The fact that you can stop lying shows that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. When you read the Bible and says, oh no, I have to stop lying, but I've been lying all my life. God help me. From this day onward, I'm going to stop lying. And the fact that you stop lying shows that Jesus is working in your heart. What does it mean to work out your own salvation? Friends, you have to decide. Jesus cannot decide for you. You must decide whether you want to follow what is written in the Word of God or not. Do you know we blame Satan for too many things? Poor Satan. The devil did not make you do it. You chose to do what you wanted to do, and when you sin, it's because you chose to do it. Are you with me? We have choices to make in this life. You have choices that are within your capability to make. I'm not saying that it is by your own power that you will have victory. But God can only work with your choices. If that is clear, please say amen. amen. Friends, what choices are you making today? How is it that the Bible can give us victory over sin. Psalms 119 and verse 11. Psalms 119 and verse 11. I must make an apology to my sanctuary students because I feel like I'm using recycled Bible texts that they've all heard in the past two days. Psalms 119 and verse 11, the Bible says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Friends, how can we have a perfect 
experience with Jesus Christ, we must learn to hide the Word of God in our hearts. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9 that we looked at yesterday. I didn't want to expound on it too much because I knew I was going to look at it this evening. But if you come back with me to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9, in this next few minutes, as we wrap it up, I want to make this as practical as possible for you and for me. If we go back to 1 John 3, 9, the Bible says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is what? Born of God. And yesterday I asked you all, whoever is born of God, or in other words, another way of saying it, whoever is baptized, please stand. And you all stood, for the most part. And then I asked, who has sinned after you got baptized? Sit down. All of us, including myself, we sat down. What was the problem? The seed does not remain. What is the seed? The Word of God. The seed, the Word of God, when we sin, it is because somewhere along our day, after spending time in our devotion, the Word of God disappears. It doesn't remain. What does it mean, remain? What's another word for remain? To stay. Anything else? If you will please remain with me for today. Live here. Abide. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it will be given unto you. The experience of abiding is what it means to walk in the Spirit. The Word of God must remain in our hearts in order for us to have victory over sin. So let's make it all practical, shall we? What does it mean for the Bible to remain? Well, let me ask you this question. Everything that you do, everywhere that you go, does the Bible remain? Can the Bible remain when you're watching a movie about Star Wars or Star Trek or these science fiction movies that are out there? Can the Bible remain? Yes or no? No. I mean, are you, are you, are you watching the movie and someone killed them and you go, Thou shalt not kill! <laughs> do you do that? Does Bible remain when you're sitting there in the nightclub looking, listening away to techno music? Yes or no? Do most of you don't know? Does the Bible remain when you're sitting there in a nightclub listening to this loud dancing music? Yes or no? no. Does the Bible remain when you're a businessman and you say, Okay, well, let me make this transaction, even though I know it's illegal. But you know, none of you are my church members, so it's okay. Does the Bible remain? You know, I had a big dilemma when I was in high school. I went to church, and in my youth class, there was a guy that was in the same class with me at school. And sometimes I saw him seven days a week. The problem is this guy knew what I was like at school, and he knew what I was like at church. And like Gary was speaking about this morning, it is so easy to play church. All you have to do is help your mom bring some dishes in, and everyone thinks you're a good boy, right? Bring the food in. Oh, quiet eye, And you're like... It's so easy to play church. Do you know that? But my friend knew what I was like at school. I cursed up one side of the wall, and I cursed down the other side. I got into fights, fist fights. 
he was pretty much the same at school and at church. <laughs> but friends, does the seed of the Word of God remain wherever you go? Does the seed of the Word of God remain when you're surfing on the internet? Does the seed of the Word of God remain as you're sitting there with your phones playing Angry Birds? <laughs> Friends, I used to love computer games. My brother can tell you that. I was pretty good at them. He's sitting over there, by the way. He's not over there. All of you looked off to the side. I loved playing computer games. And you know, when I graduated from university, actually, let me go one step back even. When I got finished high school, I told you I knew I was too dumb to do medicine. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. So, okay, I love computer games. My brother's doing IT. Okay, I'll study IT as well. Got in there. I hate computers. I love computer games, though. But they're not the same thing. Even when I graduated from university, I got into a good job working in a professional firm. I come home and I still play computer games. Did you know that? And then I quit after a while because I went to study theology, you know. Theology students should not play those sorts of things. And then I came out and the world was different. They had these mobile phones <laughs> with touch screens. And I got back into playing computer games on a smaller device. <coughs> Friends, I don't think Jesus created Angry Birds. I believe it's an invention of the devil. I'm quite serious. I don't think Jesus created plants versus zombies. You might think it's a harmless game, but do you think the seed of the Word of God remains when you're doing this? Let's bring it a step closer. Come with me to Galatians 3.16. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. You see, what is the seed? It is the Word of God. But it's something else as well that the Bible tells about in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. Galatians 3 verse 16, the Bible says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith, and he saith not, and to seeds as of many but as of one, and to thy seed, which is? Christ. Which is? Christ. Friends, does Jesus Christ remain with you wherever you go and whatever you do? Let's make it practical. Are you proud to bring Jesus with you wherever you go? If your job does not create an environment where you are comfortable with Jesus being there, you need to stop. If you are studying things in university that goes against the express word of God, you need to stop. Do you know that angels do not go into movie theaters? And I'm talking about the good angels. The pen of inspiration says no man would wish to find death there. There are certain places that God's holy angels do not even enter into. Never mind Jesus. And then one university student, when I mentioned this, they were really smart. They said, wait a minute, how about our home? Surround sound. 68-centimeter TV. It's called home theater. <laughs> Is Jesus with you, whatever you do? How you spend your time, your hobbies, your work, your studies. Is Jesus with you? Does the seed remain? When you cry out to God for help, did you voluntarily put yourself in that position? And you said, Jesus, wait here for me. I fall. Jesus, help. Is it any wonder maybe today that we are not experiencing victory over sin? Is Jesus with you, friends? 
I ask you this evening, have you entered upon holy time with Jesus by your side? Is Jesus right next to you this evening? My brothers and sisters, does the Word of God remain wherever you go? The Word of God, that living Word, is Jesus Christ Himself. Yes, the Bible says He will never leave us, nor forsake us. Amen? But we forget that many times we leave Him, and we forsake Him for the pleasures of this world. And we say, Jesus, not right now. Not right now. Just give me five minutes with this woman. Just give me 30 minutes with my game. Just give me one hour with this business deal, Lord, and I'll give you my tithe and 20% offering. But Lord, not right now. Friends, is Jesus with you wherever you go? How can you have Jesus with you, friends? It's very simple. Learn to spend time in His Word. I want to ask you to turn with me to one more text. I don't remember if I've said I'm going to give you a last text yet or not. If I did, please forgive me. But this will be our last text for this evening. Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. The Bible says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus. Truly, we can put Jesus on like a garment. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. The Bible says when we put on Jesus, we should not make provision for the flesh. Do you know what that word provision means? It means forethought. Thinking in advance. Don't make plans for the flesh. Let's put it simpler. Do not make plans for sin. Do you know most sins need to be planned? There are some that don't, like short temper. I don't get up, I, you know, I have a bad temper. But I don't get up in the morning and say, I'm going to lose my temper at my wife today at 3 o'clock. That's why I say most sins. Most sins require planning. Do you know that? If you want to steal something, you should plan. Or else you're very stupid. Are you with me? When you commit adultery, do you know it takes a lot of planning? To not get caught. If you get caught, you're very stupid too. Didn't plan. Are you with me? When, when you want to cheat, it takes a lot of planning. There was one time I was in high school, I was sitting a year 12, my final exam, and this guy, he's sitting about the chair there, and he crawled over to my desk. He said, please help me. <laughs> First, I was flattered, because I wasn't very smart. But cheating takes a lot of planning. Do you know killing takes a lot of planning? The Bible says we should not plan for the flesh. You should not plan for sin. But rather, friends, have you planned for Jesus today? Have you told yourself that I don't care what's going to happen, but after this meeting, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read my Bible? Have you planned for Jesus? That you say, look, I don't care what time I sleep tonight, I am going to get up at 6 o'clock and spend time with Jesus at least for 20 minutes. Because it takes me another 20 minutes to get ready and another 10 minutes to walk here. Have you planned for Jesus? Have you told yourself that after this this AOI and all these meetings that you're going to go back and you're going to look for somebody that can give you Bible study because you have no idea about what the Bible says. 
Are you making plans for Jesus? Or are you expecting somewhere along the way you're hoping that the Holy Spirit will strike you with lightning and you're going to become some holy human being? Friends, that is only found in movies. You've been watching too much movies. Have you been planning for Jesus, friends? Do you know how long Jesus planned to die on the cross? When sin came in the world, he had a plan in place already. Can you make an appointment with Jesus today? And if you're late, a person who's usually late, make it earlier. So you don't go, oops, too late. But can you make an appointment with Jesus today? Sabbath. Lord, okay, I planned and I, I, in all my heart, I wanted to get up at six o'clock, but I was just too tired, sitting all day, getting worn out. I understand. I haven't gotten eight hours of sleep at all since I've been here. Actually, since I landed on Sunday, I haven't gotten eight hours of sleep. But I tell myself before I go to sleep that I've got to do something when I get up. And if I miss when I get up, and my daughter's awake and she's running around and my whole day seems out of whack then, I say, okay, Lord, when she goes to sleep in the middle of the day, I will spend time with you. Have you planned for Jesus? You know, we make plans for everything except Jesus. You plan from Monday to Friday to get up early to go to work, to get to school on time to study and all that you need to do. And then Saturday rolls around, you have no plans. You get to church by 11 o'clock. Morning devotion, they close this partition off because there's not many people for morning devotion. I don't know what happens to you after dinner. I mean, after breakfast. You disappear. Or maybe some of you don't even come for breakfast. Have you planned for Jesus to be in your life, friends? Have you mapped out what you want Jesus to do in your life? It will not get any easier as you get older. About 10 to 12 years ago, I began making plans for Jesus. <laughs> I said, Lord, I want to get through the book of Daniel. It took me a whole year, but I eventually got through the book of Daniel. And then I realized that there was only so much time I could plan for Jesus. So a year after that, I quit my job and I said, Lord, now I have all the time. I'm going to make plans for you now. And I went to theology school and I found that even those that went to theology school, they did everything but study the Bible. They made plans for their basketball. They made plans for their singing. They made plans for their socializing and their dating. And then they came out and it's like, okay, I need to go get a master's now because no one wants to pick me as a pastor because I don't know anything. Then they go to master's course and they study, 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 but they study all these people but no Jesus. Oh, but I'm doing a master's of divinity. Surely I meet Jesus somewhere along the way. No, friends, even as theology students, you have to plan for Jesus. Sabbath afternoon, have you made a plan to say, I'm not going to sleep, lay activities? You know, when I came back, you know, I quit my job. I had a pretty good job. I was working for IBM. I quit my job to want to know Jesus. And when I got there, for about a year, I fooled around. I got into a relationship, <laughs> of all things. And after that, I said, Lord, I'm not going to waste my time anymore. I need to plan. And Sabbath afternoons, I made sure even then I would come back and I would put on some audio, listen to some sermons, type it all out. As lay people, let me ask you this question. Do you have Sabbath afternoons free, yes or no? Yes or no? 
Some say no because the pastor makes you stay for AY or whatever it is, right? But for the most part, you have free time, yes? And for the most part, most people go to sleep, yes? Come on now. I've been in the Adventist church long enough. But can you make plans for Jesus' Sabbath afternoon? Are you with me? Jesus, he mapped it all out. And when he came down in human form, in the flesh of a human, with all the sinful tendencies to sin, his human heart, his human flesh cried out, Lord, I don't want to die for these people. They're ungrateful. Father, if it be possible, he cried out, what? Take this cup from me. But he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Friends, how important is Jesus to you this evening? As Pastor MC comes and sings this song, as you ponder upon his words, I have an appeal again for you this evening. But I want you to think about Jesus and the cross, which was there just a moment before. Think about what he's done for you. Think about what he had to plan in order to save us from our sins. And then maybe, just maybe, you can plan for him. Come, as you sing.
Friends, there is a savior. And he's fighting for your time this evening. He's been waiting for over 160 years. Maybe he's been waiting all your life just so that you can give him some time. Friends, this evening, are you willing to plan some time for Jesus? Today? Tomorrow? The day after? Are you willing not to just give Jesus some time when you're free, but can you work Him into your schedule? And everything else around is secondary. Are you willing to do that, friends? If you can, I'll just ask you to stand. If you can just work some time into your busy schedule. Yes, I know we're busy. With studies, with work. But yet you're saying, Lord, today, I'm going to make an appointment with you. I guarantee you Jesus will make that appointment. Even though there are a hundred or a thousand other people that make that same time, He will be there for you. He will give you all His attention. Before I continue with my appeal, I want to ask the pastors to come forward. The pastors from the Malaysian Mission. These are people of the word. Come, stand up here. Spread yourselves across. But my appeal is very specific. I don't know which pastors here represent which churches. But the pastors that are here this evening, I do want to work with them. Because friends, youth conferences normally is a high experience and then you go home, it's a very low experience. I want you to make an appointment with Jesus today, yes, and tomorrow and the day after while you are here. But this evening also I've called my pastor's friends up here because I want you to make an appointment with them. That when you go home, you will tell them before now, I mean before you get there, today you will tell them, I want to study the Bible. And if your pastor is not here this evening, he's not represented with the four that are here, I know there are maybe some floating around out there, Pastor Patrick I know is out there somewhere. But if you said, you know what Lord, I want to make this appointment with you, I, I want to keep this appointment, but somehow, I don't know what to read. I don't know what to study. So you're going to tell the pastor, I want to study with you. I'm happy to study with you, but I'm only one man. There are many here. Is there anybody here this evening that you want to tell the Lord? This is a very specific appeal, friends. Appeal. I want you to listen very carefully. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never been baptized. But you'd like to study to be baptized. Or you'd like to study 
to know more about Jesus, I just ask you to come forward at this time. It doesn't matter if your pastor is not here. We'll take your name. We'll make sure that somebody studies with you. Is there anybody out there that has never given their life to Jesus? Praise the Lord, brother. Yet, somewhere along the way, you've been attending these past few nights, you've been attending the morning devotionals, and you've been looking and hearing all these seminars throughout the day, and somewhere along the way, the Lord has spoken to you, and you said, Lord, I don't know, but yet something about you is so appealing. I want to give you a chance. I want to know more about you. Is there anybody else? You've never given your life to Jesus before. You've never been baptized before, but yet tonight you want to give your life to Him by saying, I want to know more because I want to know the Savior that I'm going to give my life to. I want to study. Is there anybody else? Come forward. Come forward, my brothers and sisters. Come forward. Because I have another appeal to make. Come forward. Maybe there are some of you here that have been baptized, but you still don't know who Jesus is. You've been baptized maybe even for 10 years. You've been serving in the church. But you've come to this conference realizing now, Lord, I never knew who you were. I'm not even asking for a rebaptism. I'm asking for a recommitment to study first, friends. Is there anybody here that would like to study deeper into the Word of God? And maybe, yes, your pastor is not here, but there are some that have their pastor here. And you would like to go deeper. Be it doctrinals that you've never studied, be it Daniel or Revelation. I'm putting a high estimate on my pastors too. But you want to study more. Just come forward. Maybe you think you don't know how whoever is going to study with you. That's not for you to figure out. That's for us. You come. You say, I want to know more, Lord. I realize that I really don't know you. But I want to study. Anybody else? God bless you, brothers, sisters. God bless you. Is there anybody else? You're coming forward. It's not a sin issue, friends. You're making a, an appointment with Jesus beyond these next few days. And you're coming forward because, you know what? In your own strength, you might even forget when you go home. But friends, we will watch out for you. Is there anybody else that wants to study more, to know more about Jesus? I just ask you to come forward at this time. Like I said, this is a very specific appeal. It's not for everybody. But I know we're all standing because we want to give our life again to Jesus again this evening. Is there anybody else that would like to study deeper? I might have even been baptized 20 years ago. But yet I need more, more of the Word of God. Amen? Anybody else? If not, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer, shall we? Father, thank you so much for Jesus, who would never let us go, who would never even let one be lost. And thousands of years ago, Lord, in heaven, in that counsel between you and your Son. You made a plan for our salvation. And not only that, Lord, you followed through with it. Even though 4,000 years passed by, you still came. Thank you. This evening, Father, we want to know more about Jesus, your Son. 
we would like to study deeper into his word and Lord, there are some of my young brothers and sisters who have never given their life to you, but tonight they've stood, Lord. They've come forward saying that they want to know more about this Savior. Father, please draw close to each of us. Lord, we've all stood because we want to make an appointment with you today. And by the grace of God, may, may you please help us to keep that appointment. Lord, please give us your spirit. Be with my brothers here, my pastors, that as we feed this flock, that truly Jesus might be seen in everybody. Lord, may you please continue to abide with us throughout the remainder of this evening. Be with all of us here until we meet again. May you please keep us in care of thy arms. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.